flow comes when it wants to. I don't put any pressure on it. I just tell it every morning, like, yo, I'm here if you need me. <laughs> Hello, everyone. I am Harris III. Welcome back to the Story Podcast. I am very excited about this episode because this one is really fun. If you're listening to this podcast, thank you, by the way. But if you're listening, chances are you're interested in creativity or believe in creativity and might even aspire to be creative in your day-to-day life. But I think we can all agree that even the most creative of us are prone to a lot of self-doubt. We're not good enough. We're not committed enough. We don't know enough. And the thing is, normally I'd say today's guest, Janahi, is the sort of person who'd inspire a lot of self-doubt because she's so good at what she does. She's a spoken word poet, an activist who's just unbelievably gifted. She's performed for TEDx, Sundance, the U.S. Department of Education, United Nations, the Smithsonian Institute, the Kennedy Center, and even performed in front of Michelle Obama. She's also shared the stage with everyone from Lupe Fiasco to Smokey Robinson to The Roots, Angela Davis, the list could go on. And you know how people that good can make you question your own abilities? Janai actually does the opposite. Her talent will actually inspire you to be more confident in your own. Just listen to how she does this. Um, so one of the things that I do as a performer and one of the things that I did in this past talk um, is I do, I do a potluck poem and I do this at every single performance that I do. So I write the first line and then each audience member writes a line after. And at the end of my performance, I read the audience's poem. And I think there's so many of us who question our creativity. We doubt our skill set. Uh, we criticize our, our work. Um, and when you ask, when you when you craft a space for people to be creative and you ask them to just give you what they have, suddenly creativity becomes so easy, right? And I think we, we can complicate it, right? We complicate it. We forget that creativity is our, our most basic uh, and necessary and instinctual act, right? We, we are born creative. That is our birthright. Um, and so for me, it's, it's really important to, to craft a space where everyone can do that. And I think, uh, the potluck poem really ties that in together nicely. Right. Mm -hmm. So you have all these strangers in the audience who don't know each other. And yet here they are collaborating on this poem. Right. Um, and so I think that it's really important to remember that the man or the woman or whoever sitting next to you has a contribution and that their contribution is powerful, right? Mm -hmm. And that when we can really be empathetic to one another uh, and value each other's contributions, then whatever boundaries or bridges are between us suddenly disappear. Um, so that that's what I try to do in my own work and that's what I try to facilitate in my performances. We were talking before we were recording about the high and the low and the perfectionism and the self-competition yeah. and the story we tell yeah. ourselves about laying out our truth, right? Mm -hmm. That moment of cre creativity is happening and then critiquing creativity after. Um, within that, the story I'm telling myself, that is a tough thing Absolutely. as creatives and we, we live there all the time, right? Mm -hmm. But what I found is the story we tell ourselves can also be riddled with I am's and I am's can really knock you off path. When you're in your process of 
creating? How do you control that self-dialogue so that way you're not critiquing yourself too much and you're not second-guessing your ability? I think for me, I, 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 I think anyone would be hard-pressed to find a creative who does not critique themselves. Um, it just, uh, I don't know that it's, it, it's just part of the creative process, right? You're venturing out into unknown territory. It's going to happen. Your brain is going to do it. Your brain is afraid. Your, your brain is going to try to protect you and tell you all kinds of things about yourself. Um, for me, anytime I sit down to write or to create a new performance, I'm terrified. I, I said it in the talk, like, you know, when I'm working on a new project, I literally spend weeks just, just doing nothing, you know? deleting emails, writing new emails, taking my dog on walks, like I do nothing. And um, for me, I, I stop the process, I think, like the, the, the self-critique, I stop it by getting myself into a state of flow. Mm-hmm. Um, when, you are, when you are focused and you are goal-oriented and you are working in that creative space where you feel almost transcendent, um, that to me is, you know, self-critique can't exist in that space. Um, so I, I get myself into a state of flow and I, and I do it a few ways. I have a lot of rituals around my creative practice. Um, but I also collect other ideas and then just sleep on them, right? So my creative process has a lot to do with like, hmm, let me Google this. <laughs> and it is like, and then it's a rabbit hole. Yeah. And then let me Google that the next day, you know? And I, I just spend a few weeks just Googling stuff and going to sleep on it. And I, I think our subconscious is incredibly powerful and we don't give it, we never give it enough credit for our creativity. But, you know, if you feed your brain the right information, what your brain has the power to do with it when you're not looking and you're not thinking and you're not critiquing or questioning is incredible. Um, so sometimes I just go to sleep and tell my subconscious to get to work. Yeah. <laughs> and then I wake up with a good idea. <laughs> exactly. Thank God. At 3 a.m. So, yeah, at 3 a.m. It's always 3 a.m. too. I know, too. me it's, too. It's Every odd. time. It's yeah. odd. Janahi has what she calls the flow. It's that X factor you get when you just know you're in a good creative zone. And the ideas are rock solid and the execution is delivering. It's a great feeling, but it's impossible to bottle it. You just can't manufacture flow. There's no on switch. The best you can do, she says, is learn how to be open to it. Flow has a mind of its own, right? Um, Flow has a mind of its own and uh, people have names for it. Sometimes it's your subconscious, sometimes it's the universe, sometimes it's a muse, sometimes it's a genius in the corner of the room, right? People have different names for it and I think it has a a mind of its own. I heard once, and I I might get this messed up, but I I heard once that flow is the exact point on the grid where the task is challenging, but your skills are comparable, right? Mm -hmm. You are competent enough to meet the challenge at hand. And at that perfect intersection is where one person meets flow. That if if the task is too easy, you can't meet it. The task is too hard, you can't meet it. But that that intersection is flow. Um, so I, yeah, I mean, I, I think flow comes when it wants to. I don't put any pressure on it. I just tell it every morning, like, yo, I'm here if you need yeah. me. It, it hops around. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'll be in my room. <laughs> Come see me when you're ready. Like, yeah. it's really just, um, you know, I just, I invite uh, creative energy into my life and I, I sustain it by keeping people around me who are creative. And sure. I 
sustain it by doing things that are creative and and feeding my creative well but I I think I I have the word surrender tattooed on my right arm which is my writing hand and the thing about the creative process is we always try to quantify it right Mm -hmm. well how can I do this and how can I do that and how do I get there and the truth is is there is no blueprint to creativity right that to give creativity a blueprint would actually be just a paradox that doesn't work um it's sort of an oxymoron that creativity has no blueprint um the only way to be creative is to let yourself do it to surrender to the process Mm -hmm. Um, creativity for me is a process of surrender absolute surrender even when it's terrifying and scary even when it doesn't make sense right that the the what creativity is always asking is can you surrender can you surrender to something an idea bigger than you that getting to the place of surrendering it is such an immense task of vulnerability that most people are it's an un, it's uncomfortable to be that courageous mm-hmm. uh, and to create the way that you do um, you have to go to places to, yeah. to tell things I go to a lot of are, places that are hard to share <laughs> sometimes right yeah. surrendering is a scary word I think we tend to think of creativity as being so wild and weird that if we surrender to it, we're going to end up with something that would get us criticized, ostracized, fired, or who knows, maybe even arrested. But Janai's understanding of surrender is helpful because it's not really about throwing yourself into the eye of the storm. It's about opening yourself up to your own self. I love how she talks about vulnerability here. I I think vulnerability is is the and I'm gonna say it again but vulnerability is just the the willingness to surrender um so because I love words I'll tell you this right so the word vulnerable uh it directly translates to wound right when you look at the etymology of the word the word vulnerable means wound Mm -hmm. um and so I think the the question of vulnerability is can you witness your own wounds and be a witness to the wounds of others and that's so much of what artistry and creativity is about is can we tend to our wounds can we overcome our wounds can we witness the wounds of others Um, can we honor the wounds of others Um, and so can you just keep coming back to the wound right and whatever whatever comes up for you whatever questions whatever answers you know to just sit with that wound um and I think that's what I think that's what vulnerability is about. Absolutely, the willingness to sit with it. I I think for everyone it's very different. Um, you have to right. Each person has to bear the task of figuring out what their own creative well needs and and what fills it. Um, so the question is, what makes me feel full? And whenever you get that that tight feeling in your chest or that excitement or your hands start getting sweaty, right? That's the direction you need to go in. And I I think we often ask ourselves, okay, well, how can I create without fear of judgment or without fear, right? We're always asking ourselves, how can I, how can I do this without fear? And fear is, fear is creativity's best friend. I think that's what we forget. Creativity and fear are best friends, right? Creativity is in many ways, um, being able to step into the fear of the unknown. So you can't have one without the other, right? And to to dismiss fear is to dishonor creativity. Um, and so what I do with my fear is I talk to it. I say, okay, fear, 
I know you're here. I know you want to keep me safe. I, you know, I'm going to listen to you, but everything you tell me not to do is exactly what I'm going to do, okay? So I honor you. I love you. Thank you for coming and for joining me in creativity on this ride. Sure. But you got to sit in the back seat right now. So for Janahi, vulnerability is closely tied to curiosity. They're both about a willingness to explore places that might not be comfortable. And to illustrate that, I really love this story that Janahi closed our conversation with. And I'm going to close this episode with too, because it's a little weird, a little wild, and very inspiring, which is a great note to go out on. So have you ever heard of Dan Wyden? I don't think He's so. Ever, okay, so you know the Nike motto. The Nike motto is... Just do it. Just do it. Okay, so Dan Wyden... A lot of people don't know how the Just Do It motto came about, but they, um, in the 60s, they hired Dan Wyden, who was an advertising executive at the time, and Nike was going bankrupt, and they said, yo, Dan, we're losing money, we really need to, like, rebrand, and Dan said, okay, all right, I'll think about this. Um, Dan had a curiosity about serial killers, and he would, like, watch documentaries about serial killers, he'd, like, go to museums about serial killers, he just, like, had this weird curiosity about serial killers, and so he's sitting in his office one day, and he's brainstorming a motto for Nike, right? And he says that he keeps thinking about this one specific serial killer. Um, And he's like, okay, I'm supposed to be working. I'm not supposed to be thinking about this weird thing that I like to do in my spare time, um, you know, research serial killers. But he keeps thinking about this particular serial killer. Serial killer he was thinking of was a man by the name of Gary Gilmore. Um, Gary Gilmore had just shot a man and a woman and uh, sent himself to the police station and said, you know, I murdered them. Uh, you should give me the death penalty. Anyway, long story short, they gave him the death penalty and it came time for his um, his execution. And they um, he was in front of a 14-man shooting guard um, and the chaplain came to him and the chaplain said, Gary Gilmore, do you have any last words? Gary Gilmore's last words were just do it. Wow. And that, I think, speaks to the power of curiosity and where it can go when we let it flow freely, right? Because you would never think that Nike's motto was really just the last words of a serial killer. You know what I mean? <laughs> but because that was Dan Wyden's curiosity, he just let it flow and there it was, right? And I, I think I think our brain is so much um, smarter at making free associations than we give it credit for as long as we're filling our well. So I always love to tell that story because I, I think it's... um. Just a, a funny trick of curiosity that it likes to play. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Story Podcast. If you enjoyed learning more about Janai, and I don't know how you would not have, she's definitely worth a follow online. She's most active on Instagram. She's at Janahi. It's J-I-N-A-H-I-E. It was such a pleasure to have her at Story 2019, get to know her a little bit, become friends. And I'm so excited to say she's coming back to Story for a workshop on day two, September 25th. You can learn more, get all the details by visiting story2020.com. As always, I'm Harris III. Thank you so much for listening.
The Story Podcast is a production of the Astoria Collective. It is hosted and curated by Harris III and produced, edited, and mixed by Chad Michael Snavely. All music for season four of the Story Podcast is provided by the talented musicians at Soundstripe. For more information about this podcast and other creative offerings from Story, visit storygatherings.com.